0: Major League Soccer expansion has been a hot topic for a while, and it looks like the league might want to expand past 24 teams. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarcep. What's up, buddy? Nothing much,
1: man. uh, Things are warming up. The climate's getting a little better here over on the East Coast, and it means the MLS season is just around the corner. We are now less than two weeks away, if you can believe it. I, I
0: can't believe it, man. Two weeks away? Ugh. I, no off season, I love it, man. But it's it's crazy to think, man. Two weeks away. I mean, you and I were already talking. Next week, we're gonna have to do our our 2014 preview show.
1: That's right. I mean, I'm 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 less than two weeks away from having to pack up for my West Coast trip, and uh, I already started to kind of look at uh, the makings of uh, my first power rankings. And it, it's good. It's to tell you what, this is gonna be a tough year. Uh, to to figure out where you want to rank teams because there's so many teams that improved, especially teams that were near the bottom of the of the standings last year. So you're gonna have, you know, I think I think there's an elite group of teams, but after the top five or six, you, you're gonna have a group of teams that could end up in any order possible, just because uh, I, I think I think even the worst teams in the league last year. Mm-hmm did a pretty good job of getting better this offseason.
0: Oh, and some teams are still working to improve their stock quickly before we go into today's show. I mean, you have to have Sporting
1: Kansas City as the number one team, right? We're not talking about the rankings yet. Why are you even (laughs) going to ask me that? We're not. We're not we're no spoilers. Uh, you know, the rankings will come out next week and uh, we'll see then. I'm just trying to help out the people listening to the show. I hear you talking power rankings. Everyone wants to
0: know. Um, Lots to talk about on today's show. As, as I said, we just said MLS season's two weeks away. Uh, But recently, over the weekend, Don Garber spoke a little bit about Major League Soccer expansion. Ivis, anytime you hear the word expansion, it seems people listen, people are interested. Right now, as we all know, Major League Soccer's at 19 teams. They've already had three teams that we're going to see in the future, bringing up to 22. There's still two spots left to bring the league up to 24 teams. But Don Garber, some of the comments he made, Ivis, make it seem like Major League Soccer would be okay expanding past 24 teams so hey if you're a city that doesn't get one of these final two spots i mean you got to be feeling pretty optimistic here
1: right i mean i think it's it's the first time where we've actually had uh don garber kind of go on the record as as even even considering the uh the possibility of going beyond 24 teams i mean it's crazy to think that i mean even just six months ago 24 teams seemed like it was something that was mm-hmm. really far away and now here we are 24 is around the corner. Uh, when you think about Orlando, uh, New York, C- uh, New York uh, City, NYCFC, but you have those two teams get you to 21, and then Miami's here before you know it at 22, uh, and then Atlanta looking more and more likely at 23, and then uh, right, and then there you go, you have a, uh, you're you're already up to your allotted number of 24, which everyone kind of a lot of people thought was going to just be the cap, but you know he he, I, th- I think if anything MLS has seen now just how much interest there is across the country and how many viable markets there just might be uh and the league can grow beyond 24 and it's crazy to think about to be honest mm-hmm. with you I can't even I can't I can't fathom a, a 2018 league uh right now I mean it just it's just crazy to think about especially when you think about scheduling and and how that's gonna work I mean you're gonna end up, you're you're gonna end up in with situations where teams don't play certain teams uh, at all in a given year and that I mean that'll be unfortunate but obviously MLS feels like uh, it can make the league even bigger but you know first things first let's see how this next wave of teams mm-hmm. does and uh, you know I think right now the league's in pretty good shape well and I think you wonder about what the talent level will be
0: like if it will be stretched too thin or, or the quality of play with so many teams because you know obviously that's going to make the the player pool a little bit smaller they're going to dig you know dig a little bit deeper into the lower leagues I, I guess that brings up the question I guess, I mean is 28 teams too many I mean can we support that in this country and I mean Garber didn't mention a timetable but I mean is this something that you know maybe after the end of this decade you know he'll be saying you know by you know 2030 we want to have 28 teams And it's kind of interesting to see you know when when this will be happening or is it do you think a, a city will pop up and they're just so good that you have to bring them in
1: well as far as whether or not there's going to be enough talent I mean I, the way what I one thing I would point to is that even just 6 5 or 6 years ago you know when you had say 10 or 12 teams in the league uh and there was talk about expanding and 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 pushing the league to 20 teams and uh at that time there was talk like oh you know there's just not enough talent uh what's the league going to do for, as far as that goes so uh, the league's done a great job in that regard as far as feeling filling rosters and, and keeping the the quality uh, on a high level. And, and I think most people would agree that the league has, has managed to increase its level of play, its quality of play, uh, even with the league expanding. And obviously, uh, you know, teams have done a better job of, of scouting the international market. And now now the onus is on the academies as well. MLS MLS teams have to do a good job with their academies so they can they can produce that talent, that next generation of talent. And I think that's something that, the league is going to bank on for that next phase. Mm-hmm. That because as of right now, the academies still aren't aren't quite where it needs to be. The, the academies aren't propping up the player pool just yet. It's really offering just a sprinkling at the moment. But I think these next four to five years, uh, we're going to see it taken up another notch. And it's really going to be up to these teams to do a better job of finding finding young talent.
0: All I know is that you know I'm feeling pretty good that Phoenix now has a chance to uh, to land one of those uh, one of those teams, Ivis.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. I think I think Phoenix is pretty low on the list, but yeah. I mean if you're if you're asking what what would be, you know, let's just say let's say Atlanta's 23, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just do a hypothetical rundown uh, you could go San Antonio? Uh yeah, let's just say San Antonio. Let's say San Antonio is okay. number 24. And then the next four, as a hypothetical, you can just obviously Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, I think St. Louis has is, is, is been talked about for so long that you'd have to think there's a possibility there. Uh, that's 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 two. Uh, the fact that Garber mentioned San Diego, I think, is interesting because obviously, as we've talked about in the past, Club Tijuana has done a really good job mm-hmm. of uh, of capturing the imagination of that city. And you were just in San Diego. So I'm sure you got a good sense of how how things are there. But if anything, maybe MLS sees sees a need to kind of put uh put a team there just from a from a strategic standpoint uh, to compete with Club Tijuana and also just have that natural rivalry with Tijuana there. Uh, so I, I I wouldn't be surprised if San Diego down the road has a team. So right there you got three teams, uh, and then you go fourth team that you know you you that that one that one could be, that and that one you're starting to get pretty tough there. I know Sacramento. We, we've heard talk about. Is it Minneapolis. Uh, well, no, I thought it was, Minneapolis is twenty. The first team I named. Well, the, I'm the sorry. I'm sorry. I, I what I should
0: have said is maybe like a Charleston. That's a good soccer no, area over that's there. Not, no, nah, that's, I don't. No? I don't
1: think. I don't know. From a mar, you have to think about market size, right? I mean, I don't. I just don't think. I don't think MLS is gonna is gonna go with a small market size when it comes to you know it, that next wave of of potential expansion. Uh, you know, so you know, there you go. So you have those. That's three. Uh and then from there, who's for? Is is it Sacramento? Is it Charlotte? I know Charlotte's been mentioned in the past uh as a, as an option, as a possibility. So Detroit. I mean there's a Yeah, I've heard Detroit mentioned. I don't know how realistic that is. I think I think that I think just from an economic standpoint, Detroit's not doing so hot. So so I don't know if uh I don't know if they could pull that off. But I know they've been mentioned in the past. But it is interesting to see how much interest there is uh around the country so i mean look at oklahoma city as Mm -hmm. an example they they've they've added a usl pro team uh they're adding an nasl team although it seems like like that that venture is struggling a little to get off the ground but you know there's interest there hey i got another one for you how about austin austin texas there you go a little uh little kind of off the you know underdog type pick but i tell you what great city had a chance to go there last year. and Had a great time, and and they got they have soccer fans there. And uh, you know Gar, I think Garber mentioned them before. He he might have even dropped Austin as a as a just as a as a name drop. So th- there are markets there. So uh, let us let, not think about twenty eight because no one said twenty eight. I don't think Garber said twenty eight. Garber just said we could grow beyond twenty four down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe so. Let's stick with 23 and 24 and figure that out. I think Atlanta is looking really good for 23. 24 is anybody's guess. San Antonio, Minneapolis, St. Louis, San Diego. Uh, There's some good candidates there. You
0: know, I wonder, you know,
1: before we move on, an interesting one. Would the Cosmos ever jump ship
0: and join Major League Soccer?
1: That's a good. That's an interesting one. You know, I wasn't gonna mention it because well, I'll you know, do it. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't want anyone to hit, have me talking about oh, New York. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, let, let's get let's get the second New York team off off the ground first before we go adding a third one. Uh, I think that's what most people would would argue, but I think that's that that's going to be the measuring stick. I think how the next four or five years goes with NYCFC as well as the Cosmos. If the Cosmos continue to grow, that NASL team. And they have success drawing drawing fans. If they get their stadium project going, uh, which you know they, they they've got a pretty ambitious stadium plan as well. So if the Cosmos, you know, if they if they're strong, if, if they keep things going in the direction they're going, uh, and if they're even interested uh, in joining MLS, that that maybe that's a possibility. You know, I mean, I would say this. I think I think the NASL is a, is a, is a growing league. It's a, it's a, it's a league that's a, that's getting stronger. Uh, so I don't know if necessarily those teams are, are, are you know, they're setting up shops so they can jump to MLS uh, this this next wave. Maybe, maybe. But I, everything I've ever heard of and every time I've mm-hmm. ever talked to the Cosmos people, it's always been about the NASL and, and always uh, been about building their own thing. Not at all about MLS. But you know Think, what? Strange things have happened.
0: Yeah, things change. I mean, look what you said. Six months ago, we thought 24 teams was crazy. And, and now Garber's mentioning more. It's, things change very quickly. I mean, the, the league's going through a lot of change, so I mean, anything can happen. Uh, keeping it, Ivis, in, in present time, talking about things that will actually uh, happen. The 2014 season, as we said, is two weeks away. The Philadelphia Union continued to improve uh, on the field, Ivis adding the 2012 Rookie of the Year Austin Berry of Chicago Fire for the Philadelphia Union bringing in a guy like this Ives, who played every single minute last year for the Chicago Fire. What does it mean for them bringing in a young guy like this to pair with a Mobya Kugo?
1: Well, I think it's a huge trade for them. I think you know if if you if you would have asked me to kind of draw up the kind of the exact kind of player that they needed to plug into that lineup, the kind of void that they still had, the missing piece that they had to the squad. Uh, at this point in the offseason, I would have told you center back and I would have drawn up a player similar to Austin Berry. Uh, not not just because of the position he plays, but the strengths that he brings to the table. He's really good in the air, uh, really strong defender. And, and I think he <clears throat> perfect partner. Uh, he can f- form the perfect partnership with a Moby who's obviously really athletic and a really good passer. Uh, and I think that combination, I mean, he get, the thing is the Philly, they've been really weak in the air. Uh, especially defensively, they've really been weak on set pieces, and now they've got a player in Austin Berry, who can be dominant in the air and can give you that that defensive presence in the air that they just hadn't had for for some time. They didn't have it with Jeff Park, they didn't have it with even with Carlos Valdez when he was there, the All Star who's now uh, you know gone back to South America uh, on loan, although he's you know at this point he's not gonna, probably not coming back. Um, so I mean, Berry is exactly the kind of player they needed, and you know when I saw the trade, it was. My initial reaction was like, "Wow, like really?" Like, but mm-hmm. then it made a, it made sense because basically, for those who haven't been caught on, the basically the, what the Fire Chicago Fire are doing is they're clearing cap room because they're gonna have they're going to sign Mike McGee to a new contract. They have to sign him to do a new contract. Uh, you know, he's coming off a huge MVP season. He's got a year left on his deal. Uh, he wants more money. I think he's put pressure on the Fire uh, to make something happen. And the Fire, I think they realize, look, this is our guy. This is our poster boy. He's local lo- local product, At reigning MLS MVP. We've got to pay the guy, and I think they, you know, the moves that they made, not only trading Austin Berry, but also uh, you know uh, parting ways with Federico Pupo, the the, the South American striker, uh, should help pave the way for them to make McGee, uh, what I believe will be a designated player. I think he's going to get a design- mm-hmm. designated player deal, but you know, on the smaller end. Uh, probably comparable to what Chris Wondolowski received, and when he when he signed his his designated player deal. So you know Chicago, uh, it's got to it's got to be tough to have to part with an Austin Berry. But I think they they they've prepared themselves for this mm-hmm. with with the trade that landed them John Kennedy, Hurtado, and Patrick Ayani. I remember at the time thinking, why would they make that deal? They've got too many center backs now. But it makes all the sense in the world now because now they traded Austin Berry they've cleared the room they can sign mike to a new deal and now you have bakari sumari and john kennedy hurtado uh two guys who you know are coming off not the greatest years the last couple years but uh they both have in the past played at a really high level if they can get back to that level the fire could do something in 2014
0: but but is this sacrificing too much though for the chicago fire by giving up austin Berry, a young guy that you can build a team around to me it just seems like they're giving up too much to to re sign Mike McGee. And, and yes, they have to keep Mike McGee. I mean, you, you look at just how good he was last year, and I mean you hope he can continue that form this year, but it just seems like a lot to give up for a center back Ivis, who yes, Austin Berry struggled at times last year, but but that's because of some injuries that happened to the back line Chicago Fire. It just seems like he has a lot more upside. I don't know. It seems to me that the union got a better end of this of this deal than what the Chicago Fire are trying to accomplish.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the you think the fire paid too much for Mike McGee?
0: You mean you mean when they made the original trade for Robbie Rogers? Right,
1: right. No, not at all. They made out like bandits. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? What well, goes around comes around, and you know they yeah. they got there, put themselves in a situation where they landed a player in McGee. Uh, that I mean that was a steal. It was a steal of a trade for them. Uh, you know they traded away a player who they never even had. I mean a player who they had as a, his rights as a throw in. So they pretty much got Mike McGee for nothing. And so if you know if now on this side of things. They have to part with a player to to you know pay him what what he deserves to get paid. No one's gonna feel bad for the fire in that regard. And 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 I would say this about Austin Berry. Austin Berry is quality defender, but when you say build a team around, no, he is not that kind of defender. He is not an elite center back. He is not Matt Beasler, He is not Omar Gonzalez. He is uh, he is definitely not. He's on a second tier there. He he's a bit limited technically from a technical standpoint. He's a physical specimen, no doubt about it. He's good in the air. He, he he's he's durable. He'll give you he'll give you the minutes. He'll give you the games, uh, but I think there is a limited upside there. I mean, I don't think he's on that elite national team quality uh, level. I mm-hmm. think he's a notch below that. Having said that, he's still a great pickup for the fire uh, for for the union. Exactly what the union needed. And I got to tell you, I mean, the, the the off season that the union have had has been really really impressive. Uh, just revamped midfield uh getting younger when you think about it, when they traded jeff park away i mean they traded jeff park to help get maurice to do but now they go get a player in austin Berry, who for me as at right now at this point in his career is better than jeff park so i think they've made out like bandits not only with all their pickups but also obviously with the draft that they had which i think is going to yield some, some some really good talent so
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you're a union fan you gotta be pretty excited
0: it, it, have the Union kept pace with everyone else in the East? I mean, they just missed out on the playoffs last year, Ivis. Are are they in? I mean, I, I don't want to say that Austin Barry is like, you know, the final piece. But with with all the additions, with what the Union have done, is it enough to get them in
1: the playoffs, do you think? Well, I had them in before the Barry trade. I had them getting in. I mean, I think what they did with their midfield was was just, was just significant. I mean, when you talk about uh, Nogueira, Maidana, Maurice Adieu, three high-level players. Uh, three significant upgrades in the midfield, which is what they needed. I mean, that's big for them, right? And I think, you know, you take that, you take Zach McMath uh, being a year more mature, mm-hmm. Uh, you, all, all their young players getting more mature, from Amobia Kugo to Ray Gaddish Shannon Williams, uh, Danny Cruz, Jack McInerney, all the, that group that they've had now for a couple of years is, is getting a year older. And then you add the, 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 the midfielders that they've added, and now you add Austin Berry. I mean, they... I think they're still probably, you know, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're not on level with Kansas City. I think Kansas City's still the, the kind of the, the, the pick of the East for me. But I tell you what, with New York standing pat and I think New York overachieving last year, the gap between New York and Philly is going to be interesting to watch for me. Because I think if if Jack McInerney can recapture his form, his mm-hmm. top form of 2013, uh, you know, I, I think if he can do that. With the midfield that they have and now with the defense they have, the Union, I tell you what, they're going to be right up there pushing for a top three spot in the East.
0: And uh, over on the West Coast, Chivas USA, which is now owned by the league, Ivis, uh, they have added a new player. Luke Moore played for Aston Villa and Swansea, Ford up top, looking to uh, improve Chivas USA's scoring output this year, which was, uh, you know, uh, it was horrible last year, to say the least, Ivis. Uh, what does this move mean for Chivas
1: USA, bringing over a guy like this? Well, I think it's a big pickup for them. I think Luke Moore is a pretty good player. And, uh, you know, I think, they as I mentioned before about teams that that did well in the offseason, especially teams near the bottom of the standings, I think this is another good move in what's been actually a pretty solid offseason for the for Chivas USA. Obviously, there's a lot of kind of upheaval there now. They now that MLS has stepped in and bought the team. Uh, as of right now, it seems like it's the same uh, leadership in the front office, at least, from a personnel standpoint. Mm. I don't think they've made the changes there yet. Uh, so I think they're letting the same guys who who were, who were handling uh, decisions for the past few months continue to do things. And, and when you think about the pickups of, of uh, Luke Moore, uh, they've got Bofo Bautista, who, by the way, Bofo Bautista, when he first signed, there was a lot of talk about it being a kind of a joke signing. Bautista was kind of washed up. He doesn't have anything left, and guess what? Bautista has been a killing it in the off season. I mean, in the in the, in the preseason uh, for Chiefs USA, you know, he's, he has scored a handful of goals. He's looking pretty good there. So now you know, you got to wonder maybe Bautista's going to be, uh, be turn out to be a pretty good signing for them. It, you know, if he can carry that over in the regular season. So they they've got some interesting pieces there. Uh, there is some talk, obviously, about Eric Torres, uh, Kubo Torres, their, their big forward, the their goal scorer from last year leaving this summer going back to Guadalajara uh if if that is the case then obviously that's a big blow for them uh you know because he he was their best player last year he's a really talented young player obviously if you're uh, uh if you're Chivas Guadalajara you've now sold Chivas USA back to the league you're going to strip you're going to strip Chivas USA of any 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 pieces that belong to you so I guess from that standpoint it makes sense It's a little unfortunate, but if you're a Chiefs USA fan, you have to at least feel good about the offseason when you add players like Mauro Rosales, Andrew Andrew John Baptiste, uh, now Luke Moore, and and Bofa Bautista. That's four solid pieces. Uh, I don't think they're a playoff team. I still think they have a ways to go, and that's from that standpoint. But I think they're going to be more competitive, as, as I've said for a while now. I think they'll be a
0: tough team next year, Ivis. I don't think they're going to be rollover, like you said, this year. And, I mean, Rosales, that, I think that's going to end up being one of the best moves in the offseason.
1: He, he could do all right. I mean, he, he could definitely have a kind of rebound year, uh, you know, playing on grass, playing with, with some good forwards in front of him. Uh, I just, I, you know, I, I, don't know about the, I don't know about them defensively. At this point, I don't. I don't know. The defensively and in the midfield, I, th- I just feel like they, I feel like they're still lacking. So I think they're gonna, especially in the West. You know, as tough as as tough as the West is, uh, I just think they're gonna struggle. I just I don't think they're a playoff team. And and, and but they've improved. They've improved. So I'd say for me, I'd peg them probably. If, you know, to sneak peek my power rankings, I'd probably still have Chivas USA 19th overall. But I think their 19th is a lot closer to the pack than, say, last year's 19th
0: was. Uh, FC Dallas, uh, another team that's looking to improve their, uh, their chances in the 2014 season, Ivis, uh, acquired David Teixeira uh, as a young designated player. You know, we have talked about this before. We've seen... You know older players, you know veteran guys from your move over to Major League Soccer. But was here's a 22 year old player who has played in the uh, U20 World Cup, moving over and playing in Major League Soccer. I mean, I-, I think this is a huge move for FC Dallas. You know, acquiring a young guy like this with with the talent and skill that he has.
1: Right, I think it's definitely a, a, one of the more promising moves of the of the off season, and and, and it, it obviously hasn't gotten a lot of the the hype of, of some other moves that that have happened in the league, but. When you think about a guy who, who who played in the Dutch league, scored goals in the Dutch league, uh, you know he's got some. He's got a pretty good resume. You know when you watch the highlights of him, you can, he looks like you know he can finish. He's got some good size, uh, and it's it's the latest move in what's quietly been a really good off season for FC Dallas. When you think about, uh, you know, first getting Oscar Pereja, that is huge for them. That is huge because I mean, I think Pereja showed his quality in Colorado as a coach. And I think there were a lot of questions about Shellis Heineman and his ability to coach, his ability to coach on the professional level. uh, I I think there were some questions about just what he could do. So now you have to think Pereja has an upgrade. Then you add some of the pieces that they've added. I mean, Henry Thomas, I think was big for them. I think he's exactly what they needed. uh, Some bite in the midfield. And obviously he worked with Pereja in Colorado. So Pereja brings him over and and helps uh, fill that, fill that void. And now, They've added a couple, couple of exciting South American forwards in Andres Escobar and David Teshera. and I think those, I think those two pieces suddenly make FC Dallas a team that you have to take seriously as a team that's going to push, push for one of those last playoff spots in the West.
0: I uh, something interesting is happening in sport in Kansas City. Uh, Syria Asai Juventus wants. Excuse me. I, uh, I'm going to butcher I'm going to make sure I get it right. Eric Palmer Brown, the 16-year-old that signed professionally with Sporting Kansas City, who have repeatedly now turned down the Italian side and said, no, you cannot have him. Any chance that he moves over to Europe or is Sporting Kansas City going to try to hold on to him any, a little longer?
1: Uh, well, as of right now, everything coming out of Sporting Kansas City is that they don't want to sell him. Uh, our SBI writer... Uh, Tate Steinlage uh, had the story on that and and quoted Verme as saying that they they are not looking to sell them. And I, I just want to put some put this into some perspective for people who maybe don't quite grasp what's going on. All they hear is Juventus and and and, and transfer offers. And what you got to understand is team big teams in Europe, the the big big teams in Europe, they splash money around because they have a lot of money. They and they will go buy young prospects they will they will they will identify young prospects and and try to bring them over and and it doesn't i mean when when you're hearing million dollars whether a million and a half or any of that kind of money it sounds like oh wow that's crazy money but it's really not huge money when you're talking about these european clubs it's not as if air palmer brown is being uh you know sought after to go get plugged into the juventus starting lineup that is not it at all but what it is 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 a case of a big team really liking a young prospect, feeling like he's worth an investment as a long term project, and that's exactly what it is. You know Palmer Brown. You know he he's got some good qualities as a young player. Uh, so you, Juventus is is made a few bids for him. But you know if you're supporting Kansas City, here's your local product, your homegrown player, someone who could develop into a top top player for you. Uh, you know, do you want to get, do you want to sell him before he's even made a mark on the senior team? Uh, so you know what, from that standpoint, sporting Kansas City doesn't, doesn't need the money. This isn't a case of some small team from some, you know, some rinky dink league that, that doesn't have money. And (laughs) and, and, like you throw a million dollars at them and they're going to like fall all over themselves to accept the transfer. I mean, we're talking about a sporting Kansas City team that just, you know, made like a $30 million push. Uh, for for Michael Bradley, you know they, they they tried to put a big package together to get Michael Bradley. Money is not a problem for Sporting Kansas City. They're riding really high right now. They're looking at the big picture. They're looking at Concacaf Champions League. They're looking to win as many trophies as they can. So they're not they're of all teams. They're a team that is in no rush. To, to go selling away the f- their future.
0: And the New England Revolution, Ivis, have brought in Showery Joseph. Uh, he did not have a good year last year with uh, with Chivas USA and then also the Seattle Sounders. Uh, but you know, a guy like Showery Joseph, Ivis, does he have anything left in the tank to bring to the New England Revolution? I mean, w- would they sign him for the season? What, what, what's up with this?
1: Well, here's where it boils down to. Uh, the Seattle Sounders bought out Showery Joseph's contract. He was due to make DP money. Basically— when they acquired him, they backloaded his deal uh, to help pave way for Clint Dempsey. They bought him out. They paid him off. Now he is a free agent. He has that nice big check from Seattle in his pocket. He can go play for whoever he wants, and and not necessarily play for that much money. So if you're Shalvi Joseph, I, personally, I thought New York. I thought New York made sense for him to go to. I thought that they were a team that I thought he would. Have, I thought he'd be a good fit for. But that hasn't happened. So what do you have? You have New England. You have him going back to New England if he's ready to kind of play a secondary role there. If he's ready to kind of be a role player, be that kind of veteran guy on the bench, someone who can who you can plug in when when you need him here and there. Uh, if if he's ready for that kind of role and I think he is. I mean, he's at a point in his late late in his career now where, you know, he knows he's not the, he's not the man anymore. That's he's not the MVP candidate, best 11 guy that he was a few years back. He's an older player. I still think he has something left in the tank. And I think he can help provide some leadership for that team, and 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 offer some bite in the midfield off the bench, and give you some quality as well. I mean, I think he can still score goals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here and there. So I, I think it'd be a great pickup. And and if you're New England, if you're Jay Heaps, I think when Shari left, when Shari Joseph left, I think I still, I think he was at a point where he he felt he felt he should make more money, even though he was at an old, older, you know, he's a little older in his career. And I think there was that falling out about that that fact. Now he went and got his money. He went and got paid. Achieves USA, Seattle. Now he's back. He's made some money. He, he's got to know. He, look, I have a chance to be on this New England team. They got a lot, a lot of young talent. They could potentially, you know, be a be a surprise MLS Cup team. Uh, it's worth it for me to, to to if I have to play for Peanuts. There, it's it's not really playing for Peanuts because he's getting paid by New uh, by Seattle regardless. Yeah. He already got paid. He already got the buyout, so if I'm Shalry Joseph, I want that MLS Cup. This is my chance, possibly, to do it with the team that I played for for all those years. So, I think it. I think it makes sense for both sides, especially if he's well, if he's ready to take on that lesser role and he's ready to take on uh, a lower salary. I I think it also. I
0: mean, when you when you look at it, I mean, I, I think from a leadership standpoint, especially with the New England Revolution, I mean, so many young players on that team. I mean, having him around, having that veteran, I mean. I think that will be huge for them this year. And also, speaking of New England Revolution, Teal Bunbury Ivis scored a goal already for them in preseason play. So uh, look at that trade already paying off.
1: Oh, it's, well, preseason doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but I mean it's good to see. I mean, like I said, if he if he's if he's all the way back now, I mean, obviously, when you first come back from an ACL, you're not all the way there yet. It takes some time, even when you return to action, to kind of not shake the rust off and really get back to your full your your best. I think Bunbury could have a huge year especially playing in that system when you got Diego Fagundes, Lee Wynn, Kellen Rowe mm-hmm. all setting you up and and the way they move around and create chances. I think Bunbury could have a huge year for them.
0: Uh, and on gold.com Ivis you you look you took a look at the best off seasons for for Major League Soccer teams and I think you'd be one hard pressed to find a team that didn't have a good off season. It seems like almost every team had a great off season and especially when you look at three teams, Toronto FC, DC and the Philadelphia Union, I mean, I think those three teams improved the most. Uh, for your piece on Goal.com, who did you have as the number one team that
1: improved the most this offseason? Well, I mean, before I get into the rankings uh, that I put together, I put together a top 10 list. It was top 10 teams. And not, no, not everybody has had an amazing offseason because you know what? When it comes down to it, some teams don't, didn't need to make moves. Like, I mean, take the, you know, the New York Red Bulls, they stood pat. Sporting Kansas City didn't exactly do a ton in the off season, so no, not everybody did a, did, you know, not everyone had a huge off season, uh, but there were quite. A, I mean, half to. I, I mean, I came up with a good list. I came up with a list of ten, and I could have even gone to eleven. I actually didn't include New England on that list because while they did go get Teal Bunbury, uh, and they did have a pretty decent draft, they also lost Juan Agudelo, and that's a big blow for them. And they also had Matt Reese retire, which I think is gonna is a tough loss. You know, it's a tough loss for them. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to make up for. So that's why a team like that just fell out. But I think for me, it, the young question number one has to be Toronto FC. Uh, I just think when you look at the body of the, the group of players that they brought in, between we're talking quality and quantity. Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe, two high level players who can step right in, have that best eleven talent, MVP caliber talent, and then you add all the other pieces that they added. Uh, you know, the from the forward Gilberto, uh, the 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 fullbacks Justin Morrow and Bradley Orr. Uh Jackson, they added from FC Dallas. Yes. And then, of course, Dwayne D Rosario, the hometown, the hometown kid is back. Former MLS MVP. So you take all those pieces. And they're the number one for me. Actually, I had a change at number two because I, I you know the piece came out this morning. I had DC United number two. Uh, but Philadelphia leapfrogged DC to jump back into the number two spot after the Austin Berry trade. Because for me, uh, you know for them to 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 revamp the midfield the way they did with Adu Nogueira Maidana and then go get an Austin Berry and they had the best draft in the league I mean for me that's that Phillies had an amazing offseason uh I think they're, they're number 2 and then you have DC United for me with the overhaul that they've had uh, all the pieces that they've added uh I think that that makes them the number 3 and I just want to caution for people uh, these rankings are do, do not mean this is the order of the teams where they you're going to finish. This is just ranking them based on the offseason they had and what uh, you know, trying to evaluate what a team lost, what what a, what a team gained, and so for me those teams they they had the best net gains of quality adding to their rosters. So you you know you take a team like New York. Uh, they didn't have to do a whole lot, right? I mean, they, they, they felt good about the nucleus they had, mm-hmm. they had, they, they want to support a shield with that group. So they why not keep it together? So that's why they're not a team that you're going to see ranked on this list. Sporting Kansas city, same thing. You know, they, they, uh, you know, they, is they didn't have to go add a ton of, uh, a ton of players. I mean, they, they, they obviously brought in uh, a new goalkeeper, uh, Andrew, Grun- Andy Grunenbaum with, uh. Jimmy Nielsen's retirement, so you know the, the, you don't you're not really going to have them in the top ten either. But I I was really impressed when when I started to sit down and look at what some of these teams have done. FC Dallas they've had a really good they had a really good offseason. The LA Galaxy I'd say what the Galaxy with the forwards that they've added uh, I think they I think they deserve some credit. So it, it's good to see so many teams address needs and and obviously we don't know how the, how these moves are going to pan out until they take the field. But, you know, we can kind of project what's – especially with the teams that, mm-hmm. that stayed with MLS talent and made trades and have proven commodities because it's a little tougher when you're talking about international players. You, you kind of have to project it a bit. I mean, I, you know, as an example, last year, you know, Diego Valeri, I, you know, everyone I talked to about Diego Valeri had nothing but amazing things to say about him. So going into the season, I said, you know what? I'm going to put uh, – he will be the newcomer of the year. I haven't made my pick yet for newcomer of the year this year, but – there's there're quite a few good candidates for that,
0: and, and the list also isn't just because you sign a big name player. And, and like you said, I mean, it's also on paper. So you know, when you look at it, and, and like you said, I mean, little, even little signings like Jackson going to Toronto. See, I mean, look, he, he's not as big as Michael Bradley or Jermaine Defoe, but I mean, he's an important piece to a team's build up. So you're right. It's it's sometimes it's, it's the little things that go a long way. Some of those players that don't get the big name, Ivis those guys usually end up being more of an impact sometimes.
1: Right. I mean, as an example, take a team like San Jose, Uh, you know, they they traded away their two fullbacks, Justin Morrow and Stephen Bateshore. Uh, But then they go get a player like Brandon Barklage, who I think it it could turn out to be a steal for them. I think he's a bargain. He's someone that the New York Red Bulls let go. And I was, you know, I was a little surprised by that. I thought I thought he had some quality there. And and, and I think San Jose now has picked him up and he could end up being a a really good steal for for the value that he, you know, for for what he is going to probably make. So, yeah, definitely moves like that. Uh, Are are also taken in. You have to take those into account when you're trying to evaluate how these teams are doing this off season. And like you said, it's all on paper. We'll see what happens when all these teams take the field, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, as as an example, I'll tell you what. For just to give you an idea, right? DC United, as much as they added a ton of talent, they've completely rebuilt rebuilt their defense. They've added a a goal scorer in Eddie Johnson. They've added help in the midfield. They they went got they've gotten a ton of veteran. Uh, leadership that the, the team definitely needed but you know what that that massive an overhaul isn't necessarily going to work out yeah. right because pieces teams are it's a it's a fickle thing the way things work building a team is not an easy thing it's not as simple as it's not a jigsaw puzzle and you just put all the pieces in and voila you have a team it all has to work it has there has to be the chemistry there has to be that it has to work as a group And and these guys need to play well. Mm -hmm. The coach has to do the job. I mean, Toronto FC, the same thing. As much as they – you know what? You can give them an A, and you can say Toronto had an amazing offseason, and they did. They've added a ton of talent, and they did. But guess what? They still have to do it on the field. Ryan Nelson still has to make it all work, just like Ben Olsen has to make it all work in D.C., and John Hackworth has to make it all work in Philadelphia. So these teams have done a great job of loading up their rosters but by no means does that guarantee success.
0: That's exactly right. I, I mean, you still have to play the game, and especially, I, I, look, I look. I, it's it's you're right. I mean, I like what DC added. I was between Sean Franklin, Eddie Johnson, Fabian Espindola, and then yes, and Davy Arnault. I mean, you. I, I like what DC has, but you still have to play the game, and there's no guarantee. Oh, you know, just because Jermaine Defoe here, you know, he's going to score 30 goals. There's there's no guarantee. I mean, he could struggle. It's. People, yeah, don't read into this too much as an outlook on the season, but just as a, this team should be expected to be better. And the other thing that's going to be crazy, Ive, is the East this year, it's going to probably be how the West was last year, very competitive. I think the East, from top to bottom, I mean, almost every team could be in the playoff spot till the very end.
1: I agree. I think the, the it's going to be crazy in the, in the East. Uh, just because, you know what, I, I'd say, I think Sporting Kansas City is in a class by itself. I, I think b- after them, I think there's a drop off to the to the I mean, the Red Bulls. Listen, nothing against the Red Bulls; they put it together a great year, supporter shield, all that. I just don't think they're going to do it again. And it's tough to repeat. It's tough to do it again. Obviously, they stood pat. They didn't add. They didn't change much to their to their squad. They added a few pieces in Bobby Convey and Richard Eckersley. I just don't know. I just don't. I think the gap is there now. I think I think, I, I don't see them catching Sporting Kansas Cat City. But I th- Philly, I think, has closed the ground. Philly has closed the gap. On New York, in my opinion, I I don't think I don't know if they're quite even yet because star power means a lot, and Tim Cahill and and Terry Henry give them give -hmm. the Red Bulls something extra. Give they're the difference makers, and that's the thing you got to remember too when you talk about the Red Bulls and the amazing season they had. I mean, they really needed Cahill and Henry to save them in so many games, and that's where I think some people look at that team, look at that Red Bulls team, and say. They won the supporter Shield, but why is it? I don't. I don't. I can't. I don't think of them as a team that wowed me last year. I don't think of them as a team that were, was this amazing team that played great soccer and dominated opponents. Uh, and it's because they were saved a lot by 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 Cahill, by Henri, multiple occasions. And yes, that's why you pay the guys the big bucks. That's why they're your DPS. They're supposed to step up and save the day on more more. You know, more often than not. But I think they relied on them too much. And I think now they didn't change the rest of the team much. And I think because of that, I think they're going to drop down a bit. And I think a team like Philly, with the additions that they have, I think is going to close the gap. You know,
0: that's interesting you say that. You know, at the beginning of last year, Ivis, we talked about how Team DC United did not improve going into the season. Could New York be this? I mean, they're not going to be as bad as DC, but I mean, could they be kind of how DC was last year, New York going into the season?
1: You know, yeah, I don't think the rebels are going to fall that far, but I think they could be. They're a candidate. I tell you what, they're a candidate for for being a team that that regresses. I absolutely think that. Uh, you know, I think that you know they're feeling. Look, they they have every reason to feel good about the way last year went, and 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 the message it sent, and winning the winning that first piece of silverware in the club's history. And no, no one can take that away from them. But having said that, can they do it again? I don't. I just don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. And and I think, you know what? When when you're when you're relying on someone like Terry Henry, who's a year older, has has been known to have some injury issues. I mean, if you lose, if if anything happens to Terry you, you you let Fabian Espindola go. Uh, you didn't you didn't replace him, uh, yet anyway. So you're relying on Bradley Wright Phillips, uh, to be your other guy. Uh, Peggy Luyendola, who you know is not has not scored. Uh, I don't know, man. I think they are primed. They are primed to have a letdown year. I think so.
0: Well, and I think the other thing too is, I mean, can can Eric Alexander also be as good this year as he was last year? I mean, Luis Robles had minutes throughout the year. I mean, Lloyd Sam. I mean, a lot of guys stepped up last year for them. Ivis, you know, will they be able to,
1: you know, continue that high level for them again this year? That's gonna be the big question. So, uh, but I, you know what? For me, they're still a playoff team. I think Cahill is such a, a good leader for them. And I think you have, you know, some of these other guys. When you talk about Olave, McCarty, Luis Robles, uh, they're, they they've got a good nucleus of guys. I just don't think, you know what? I just don't know if they have enough quality on their bench. I really don't. I think you know they're going to need Bobby Convey to really be a big find for them. They're going to need Richard Eckersley to be a big find, and I'm not sold on either of those guys. So, you know what? Mike Pecky, amazing job in 2013. This year, he's it's going to be even tougher. So if he if he can do it again. Then you can then you can, you can absolutely start you know calling him uh, one of the top coaches in MLS.
0: Mm, well, we can talk more uh, more about this in every Major League Soccer team next week. Ivis when we when we talk the uh, 2014 Major League Soccer preview on the SBI show. Moving over to the Americans abroad front, uh, Fabian Johnson Ivis has joined a new club, staying in Germany, joining Borussia Mönchengladbach uh of uh, the Bundesliga. What does this move mean for him?
1: Well it's not as big surprise that it started to kind of circulate uh a week or two ago and it's not official yet. Uh basically with the, the club's the sporting director came out uh on Monday and, and and announced it that it's happening. So it's pretty much a case of a pre contract. Uh he's 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 a free agent this summer. He's already signed his pre contract so he will be heading there uh it, it for me it's still i feel like it's a little surprising just because you're going into a world cup summer and you're gonna be on show you're gonna be the in the in the store window as they say like why would you lock yourself up to a deal rather than play yourself into a potentially huge move you know i mean i i like i for me i mean for if if that's what Fabian Johnson wanted if if, if he if maybe maybe Mokin, Mönchengladbach was was a team that he always wanted to play for i mean they they're a pretty storied club uh you know they they've got some really good history so they're a big club they're you know they're, it's a good big stadium big fan base uh so the average us fan might not know much about them i mean obviously in the us we hear we hear about bayern munich and you hear about dortmund and and a little bit about schalke but beyond that you don't hear much but people who really follow the Bundesliga, Mönchengladbach's got a pretty good history. So, uh, and it's also, you know, we've had Americans there before. Uh, the so, U.S. Yeah. national team players there before, Michael Bradley. Mm-hmm. And then before that, Casey Keller. Um, I don't know. For me, I, feel, I, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but it, it's a little bit of a letdown. Because for me, you, wanna, you want every American, every U.S. national team player heading into the World Cup with that opportunity to play themselves into a big deal. That, that, that's what, like, you know, when you think about the guys that are going to be on, on this World Cup team, uh, you know, someone like Aaron Johansson, Mick Stiskerud, uh you know, even Matt Beasler, Omar mm-hmm. Gonzalez, if those guys, you know, Jeff Cameron, if those guys play have big World Cups, I mean, who's, who knows where they can go? So the fact that Johnson's already signed his deal and will head to Mönchengladbach no matter what happens this summer, it's a, you know what, it, it's good for him, it's a step up, it's a bigger club than Hoffenheim. But it's on some levels it's a little disappointing. um the interesting thing about him is what position
0: will he be playing for them? Ivis because you know we have seen him at a left back and and I think some people you know really hoping that he does make the World Cup roster as a left back, but recently he's been playing right back for them, so I mean that adds another level to the right back situation. I mean what position or or going forward I mean, do you think he's be playing for them
1: for for who uh for Manchenglaba that's a good question. I mean uh, you know just the when you see the quotes from the sporting director. It sounds like that they like his versatility. I mean, he's he can play on the wing, he can play either fullback. Basically, he can play he can play right back, left back, right wing, left wing, and, and that kind of versatility is golden, right? So, you know, from that standpoint, what it means for the U.S. Obviously, he can play in any of those spots for the U.S. as well. I don't, although I don't, I don't see him playing right back. I think he's too much of a necessity at left back to, to go anywhere else. Um, there just aren't that many good left back options, but. Uh, you know what? It'd be interesting to see where he goes, where where he plays lines up for Mocha
0: Well it's only a good thing that he can play like left I mean right back, excuse me, because I mean that just he adds to another list of guys who can play in multiple positions. So, I mean, if anything happens, I guess, I mean it's good to know that you can put another guy back there instead of I don't know, I think most people prefer Fabian Johnson over Brad Evans.
1: Yeah, but then it's not a question of Johnson or Evans. It's as or of Brad Evans or Edgar Castillo. You know yes, I mean? Yeah, um, I know. I know. This although is although you know DeMarcus Beasley Beasley's still your left back. I think uh, your backup if Fabian Johnson's not there. So maybe, maybe, maybe we go. Maybe maybe you go with Beasley left back, Johnson right back if something happens to Jeff Cameron or, or if something happens to one of the center backs and you need Cameron to play center back. So uh, there's some options there. But I tell you what, I, you know what? As as much as Brad Evans has struggled in, in the last few U.S. games. I don't think Klinsman is gonna all of a sudden just write him off. I, th- I, I think as of right now, Brett Evans is still on the World Cup roster. I think Klinsman likes him. I think Klinsman he's Klinsman's project. He's one of Klinsman's projects. So I just don't. I don't think. I don't think Klinsman's ready to just. Cast them aside just yet. Uh,
0: another thing, Ivis, uh, I mean, Fabian Johnson will probably feature in the U.S. Men's National Team friendly that's coming up. Also, so, some good thing, that, some good news that came out. The Americans abroad this past week in Europe. A lot of guys came back from injury. Ivis, you mentioned guys like John Brooks, uh, Jonathan Spector, Breck Shea, Gucci Anew, You know, and, and I, I don't. I don't want to say that these guys are, are going to be starters for the U.S. Men's National Team in Brazil, but it's good to have depth when you go to the World Cup. And it's good to see a lot of these guys who have performed to the international level coming back from an injury at a very crucial
1: time when the U.S. has this friendly coming up in March. Well, without a doubt. I mean, when you think about a month ago, all the injuries that took place, you started to wonder just who the heck was going to call up. Uh, but now it just you ha- you know just happened that all these guys uh, are back in action in the same weekend. Uh, Onye Wu, Breck Shea, Jonathan Spector, uh, John Brooks, and even Eric Lehigh, although Eric Lehigh didn't play, but he dressed for the first time mm-hmm. uh, since he was injured. So, you know, he's that much closer in his recovery. So, I mean, when you get that group of guys back, Breck Shea back from from a stomach illness that sidelined him. I mean, I think all these guys are going to get called up for that friendly uh, against Ukraine. Uh, and and it, gives you, it gives you options. It gives you options, especially yes. defensively. Uh, you know, you you want to have have some options uh, because the depth chart's not that deep uh, when you talk about the defense, uh, especially at center back. So mm-hmm. you know, I think having having Brooks and Oyebo, two guys who could start against Ukraine. I mean, I think that's huge for for your inclusion.
0: Also, I mean, Tim Ream is also playing a lot too, and, and and it's good to have this because I mean, you you want everyone you have healthy. You want your player pool to be so deep that that you're going to have guys who should be starting on the bench. I mean, I, I think this is a good thing, and all these guys. I mean they have a huge opportunity against Ukraine and some you know we talked about this in the previous show Ivis you know there's a situation going on in Ukraine right now it's it's I mean hopefully it gets resolved I mean it's 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 not looking it's pretty ugly right now um you know the US is playing in, in Ukraine I mean what are the chances of this game actually happening now because the situation in Ukraine doesn't look like it's going to come to resolution anytime soon
1: well uh, you know it's it's definitely a uh uh a... A state of flux right now in ukraine you know they, they've obviously ousted their president uh, after all after all the carnage and and all the violence uh, that happened last week and, and it's still a little unsettled the game has not been canceled yet um, or postponed yet so uh, i have a wait and see thing and I, and i don't i don't think u.s soccer is going to rush in a decision i'm sure they're they're putting together some contingency plans because i tell you what as much as there's all this, uh, you know, there's obviously all this unfortunate stuff going on in Ukraine. And at the end of the day, lot, you know, human lives are more important than our soccer yep. game. No, th- no question about it. But what I would say is I'm sure the U.S. absolutely does not want to miss a chance to play this game. This game, they absolutely need this game. So I'm sure right now they're looking at contingency plans, uh, which can include moving the game mm-hmm. out, of, out of the country, moving into another country, maybe moving into Germany. Uh, I think that's something that they have to at least start planning for. Uh, because if things get un, unsettled uh, uh, in in Ukraine and 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 if violence spreads and it becomes a situation where it's just not a safe situation for for the U.S. team to travel there or for a game to be played, I think they have to consider uh, putting that game somewhere else. And again, you have to ask yourself: Will, will the Ukraine even will you will Ukraine even play the game? Um, you know, because you know you think about Ukraine play, Ukrainian players. Uh, you know, much like the Ukrainian athletes that were at the Winter Olympics that that left the Olympics in protest because of the violence that was going on, uh, you have to ask yourself, will the Ukrainian team want to play this game? Uh, but again, we've got, we've got, what do we have now? It's actually, it's, it's right. It's next week. Coming up week. soon, man. It's next week. So, you know, it, it's crazy that how, how close we are to it. Uh, you know, you'd like to think they're going to have a final decision, uh, pretty soon, but, uh, you know, maybe if between now and the next few days they find the the deposed former president of Ukraine who's apparently on the run now, once he gets caught, maybe that'll hopefully settle things down, uh, and, and then you can play this game. But you know what? Right now, if I were, if you're asking me to bet on whether that game is played, I would bet against that game being played in Ukraine. Yeah, I would say the game wouldn't happen in Ukraine. I
0: mean, it helps out on two levels too, Ivis. I mean, Ukraine is a very good. It's a very good team. I mean, you know, FIFA rankings. Believe what you want. I mean, Ukraine is in the top twenty in the FIFA rankings. I mean, they're a very good side. We're one of the highest ranked. I think they're the highest ranked European team, not to make the World Cup. And it also serves as we just talked about an opportunity to look at the depth. I mean, hopefully this game gets plays. I mean, this this game helps out the U.S. on a lot of levels, but also hopefully the situation in Ukraine uh, gets solved quickly because, as you said, uh, human life losing human life is is not good. Um, moving over to uh, to news in, in America uh the US Soccer Hall of Fame announced that they have three new people joining them Brian McBride Bob Bradley and uh Christree- Christine Christine Lily excuse me voted into the Hall of Fame and Ivis, I mean all three uh no brainer well deserved for all of them
1: right without a doubt i mean uh, those are those are pretty those are three gimmies when you when you look at 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 the the people that were up for nomination uh you know you had you, you had to think that you know McBride and Lily were always going to be first ballot choices and they were. I mean, you know, you can't. Uh, I mean, Christine Lilly, I mean, let's face it, 300-plus uh, caps, uh, insane number of caps, world record, and, and, and not just appearances, but just outstanding play. She was just such a key part of the U.S. women's national team for so many years. And then Brian McBride, obviously the heart and soul of the U.S. national team for so many years, uh, you know, 30 goals, just, a, you know, multiple World Cups for him, uh, three World Cups for him. Uh, outstanding player, blazed the trail in Europe, had success in Europe. Uh, you, you can you can't you can't say enough good things about him. And then and then Bob Bradley, I mean Bob Bradley, uh, on the club level and on the national team level, uh, fully deserving. He did it. I thought he did a really good job as the U.S. national team head coach, and obviously in his um, his time as a coach in MLS, he, you know he he has a really good track record. Won a championship with Chicago. Even even turned Chivas USA into a winner which for me might be the best accomplishment of all when you think about it. Uh he actually made them a power he made them a you know top team in the west and uh a playoff team. I mean it's crazy to think about that just if 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 if, if you look at his resume I think that might be the best of them all. Uh but yes, all three very deserving. Uh you, 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 there's no questions there on, on any of those guys. And one final thing before
0: we wrap up the show the 2014 World Cup TV schedule came out. Ivis, ESPN will televise 43. ESPN two will air 11. ABC will broadcast 10, including the final. The U.S. men's national team, Ivis, all their games will appear on ESPN. So check out the schedule. But uh, but it's good to know the TV schedule so everyone can start planning accordingly on those dates.
1: That's right. Get your uh, get your viewing parties ready. Uh, get your uh... Get your plans in order. If you're not going to be in Brazil, now you know where you'll be watching these games. Uh, I was a little surprised that, we, that we, we don't have any of the U.S. games on uh, ABC, but <clears throat> at this point, ESPN is everywhere, so it, it's not uh, it's not a huge it's not a huge blow. But I mean, it would have been nice to have have at least one of the U.S. games on ABC.
0: Yeah, it, it, I, I was thinking about that, but then I realized that yeah, I was thinking ESPN is there, but there are still some people who don't have. Uh... Don't have cable TV but at least the at least the final will be on ABC so everyone can watch that but if you're on the east coast i mean these are good start times for you the first two games against Ghana and Portugal start at 5:30 that's a good time for the east coast i'm i'm a little jealous about that
1: <laughs> hey we had, that, that's why uh you know we we have a few advantages over here in the east coast we might have not have the great weather but uh we we our time zone is a pretty good one
0: it is i mean that's
1: it's 2:30 start time on the
0: west coast and then the last game against germany is 11:30 for you guys 8:30 on the west coast people in the middle of the country you guys can figure out the math uh but check out the tv schedule all the games are listed there all the games will be
1: live and uh
0: man i it's, it's it's crazy to think that the world cup is what th- 3 months away now
1: no don't remind me it's crazy i mean i'm looking forward to it but it's just I don't. Even, I haven't. I'm worried about the start of the MLS season and planning for that trip. I don't even. I don't even want to think about the World Cup just yet. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's amazing. I can't wait to get to Brazil. Uh, but but like let let us let, let, not rush it. Let's. It, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming soon enough. It's and, and it'll be here before you know it. Uh, and and we'll be uh, we'll be having the SBI show from Brazil before before you even know it.
0: Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm looking forward to it. I, I saw the studio that we're going to be in. It's right on the beach. <laughs> I saw it. It's looking pretty good.
1: Tell you what, if the Powerball come, if, if Powerball numbers hit in the next couple months, you'll be there.
0: Please, if if I won the lottery, I would actually I would I would even be working. I'd be I'd be chilling for three weeks in Brazil.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. All right, Ivis. We'll uh. Well, that wraps up the show, man. I mean, I, I think as always, we, we covered all the big and important things over the weekend. I can't think of anything else that we need to talk about.
1: Uh, and I think we covered everything. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, well, it'll be Friday for the next show, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll work out the kinks. It's our, it's our, it's our preseason as well. Let's just, let's just say that I'm just going to go out right now and say this has not been a great show for myself. I'll speak for myself. I, th- I didn't but bring said, my. Well, this show's the show's fine. What are you talking about?
0: I don't know. I feel you always kind of do black. this every show, and then kind of... and then and then what you do tomorrow is that you g chat me at eleven. and It'll be like, oh, dude, that show was no, money.
1: No. I know when shows are good. I know when shows are kind of eh. This is one of those and shows. Nothing that you've done. I just don't. I you know. I don't know. I just. I'm feeling kind of. I you know what? I want the season to get here. I think I'm, I'm in a little. I'm in a little bit of a blah lull right now. I think next week, as we get closer, we get in our season previews, our Eastern and Western Conference previews, and our predictions. I think things will start ramping up, and uh, I think you know what? Next week, I think we're gonna have we'll have our first uh, three show week uh, to 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 kick things off. Obviously, next week we have not only our previews to do, but we're also gonna have to be, you know, we're gonna have to talk about the U.S. Uh, yes. Ukraine game. So uh, plenty to talk about next week, and uh, I promised everybody I will bring my A game for that. Well,
0: I'm just looking forward to games because I'm sick and tired of talking about oh this team improved because they added this guy. I mean, I, okay, I want to see how the team improved. I mean, I want to see Michael Bradley play. You know, I, I want to see Jermaine Defoe play. I want to start seeing these guys play. Ibis. in preseason. I mean, dude, it's not cutting it for me. I, it's preseason.
1: You know, yeah. yeah I hear. That. <laughs> I I agree. With you. Now, I, you I saw. What?
0: I saw everyone's like, oh, Chivas USA came back and defeated New England Revolution. I was like, oh my god, it's preseason.
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't put too much stock into the results. Uh, but I tell you what. Wait, you know what? I think. You know what I think it is. I think. The, I think the reason I am kind of blah right now, I am worn out. From watching two full seasons of House of Cards, I have caught up on it. I know you haven't watched it. I tell you what, Garrett, it's worth it. Go get hook up your Netflix and watch it. Amazing show. Uh, you know, I, I
0: what I do is when I'm at work, I'll, I'll have my computer and my my iPad right here. I, I'm on an Orange is the New Black. Right now I'm, I'm pounding through that That was a good show
1: Yeah Well you know what There's so many shows now I know. That are like that, that are good uh, I, you know, I think we've talked about it before True Detective Amazing show Quality Walking Dead is back So obviously that's great the, I, watch, I also watched The Following With Aaron Johansson I mean I'm sorry Kevin Bacon <laughs> um, So that's another good show So there's a lot of good TV right now There's a lot of good shows to watch uh, Knocked out the The thing with that I'll tell you what The thing with those, with those sh- Series Where you kind of do the binge watching is, you know, I had never watched House of Cards before. I watched all two seasons in about a week, 26 episodes. Crazy. But guess what? I've watched it all, and it's over. Now it's done. I have to wait a year now for new episodes to come. And it's just like, oh, great. Now we got to wait. So, uh but I tell you what, anyone who hasn't watched House Cards, I highly recommend it. Great, 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 great show.
0: You know, I did that with Walking Dead. I'm sorry, not Walking Dead. Uh, Breaking Bad, because you kept telling me to watch it. I, I watched the whole series in September. What, I watched well, it all in one month. What'd you think? What'd was, you think? It was awesome. I mean, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you have to watch it. Also, because you kept telling me I looked like Jesse in the show, and I I still don't. Care. I don't think he. No, I
1: don't, I don't look I like him. I think I think like
0: I, I am him, or that's my character, or or you, Walter White.
1: Is that what it is? <laughs> no, I th- actually uh I'm Walter uh, I always tell Franco our writer at SBI that he's Jesse to my Walter White in our in our SBI setup cuz I'm always the I'm the always the wise older guy like you know having to clean up his his messes but uh but there you go. No, but I say what How's the, you know <laughs> now we've done a TV rant so we're just going to keep going but if we want to talk about all-time shows I still say my top my Mount Rushmore top 3 all-time the Wire number one, Breaking Bad number two, Sopranos number three. I'm not ready to call House of Cards part of that list because it's only been two seasons. I think, it's in, I think it needs a little more, but it's very it's, it's off to a promising first two seasons. Amazing stuff.
0: You know, my favorite shows, so I'll name mine, Ready, Ivis. I would say Seinfeld, and I would say the first two seasons of Lost before it went crazy.
1: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. Lost, is, Lost was a great show. The first two seasons before were the unbelievable. Half season, the last half season was ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it was Lost was so disappointing. I lost interest, but then my third favorite show Ivis would be uh, Playboy Sex Court and uh my fourth favorite show would be uh like one uh, of the you know CSS.
1: <laughs> you're just killing yourself right now. Just, yeah, well, you know what? Your reputation can't get worse. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Lost though, oh, one of the best shows of all time. Why did it have to it get bad? It was very good. Yeah, disappointing. All right, man. Well, uh Obviously, man, I'll let you enjoy your uh your final week of uh of p- pre 2014 Major League Soccer season.
1: Oh, things are about to get crazy, folks. Uh it, you know, this is kind of the February is that kind of quiet time, somewhat downtime, but things are about to kick off and 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 it's going to be the next 6 to 8 months are going to be amazing. I think in between the MLS season uh, things ramping up for the World Cup it's going to be a great year and, I, and I'm looking forward to it it's it's. I, I, I'm going to have to
0: pace myself because then you add another stuff Ivis you know US Open Cup you know Cap Champions League Oof. man it's going to be it, it's going to be like games all the time in the next six months it's going to be great
1: put your seatbelts on folks that it's is. going to be a wild ride it is well Ivis man I'll, I'll let
0: you go I'll talk to you later this week Have a, have a good night man Thanks, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes and the comments on the website. Ivis and I will be back again on Friday morning. This is the SBI Show.